You are listening to Chasing Threads. Two friends exploring fashion, culture, and everything in between. Where we unravel fashion history, fashion nuance, our favorite fashion icons, and pull the threads that tie them all together. So I am Diamond, and I describe myself as bohemian chic. And the quickest way to my heart is a compliment, a good meal, and a long, flowy dress. And I'm Chance. I grew up making dresses out of my mama's curtains and living vicariously through Vogue before I escaped to fashion school. So Chance, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Diamond, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's chase these threads. Hey, welcome to Chasing Threads. Chasing threads, chasing threads, my favorite part of the month. <laughs> this is my, the only thing getting me through the months now. This is what I'm looking forward to. As it should be. Joyous yeah. occasion. <laughs> yeah. There is so much to talk about right now in current, like, I mean, it's like Hot Couture Fashion Week. Oh. It's your serving looks at weddings. I mean, it, we got lots of fashion to talk about. <laughs> Definitely. So what has been inspiring you this this past month, you know, we went through Ugh. the holidays, we went through New Year's, and you know, we're coming on the end of January. What has been inspiring? What have been been your your, your vibes? Yeah, vibes. I mean, surprisingly, I felt very refreshed. 2023, I feel like, has good vibes already, like better than Facts. 2022. You feel that as well? Well, 2022 was the most amazing year of my life, so I can't That's say true. that, but it's still vibes going on. You're still just on an upward, upward <laughs> yes. ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel I feel refreshed. I feel renewed. Um, things have, you know, I'm trying to stay positive. I have finally watched recently. Speaking of things that inspire me, have you seen Everything Everywhere All at Once? I haven't seen it, but I want to watch it. I heard it was really good. Okay, I'm like a late adopter. I just finally decided to watch it this past weekend. It's like it was at the top of everyone's favorite list last year. Everyone's like, you got to watch it. But for some reason, I was like holding out on it. Finally watched it. <laughs> Ugly cried, ugly cried, ugly cried. Truly one of the most like formative films that I've seen definitely in the past, like in my adulthood, like for sure. Like wow. you know when people are like something shifted, something shifted when I oh, saw wow. that movie. Um it's like a on its face, just a quick synopsis, it's like a sci-fi movie um about this woman who can travel through different alternate realities <clears throat> and she can like tap into that reality's um, abilities and talents and use them in this reality, which is very cool, very interesting. Mm. Um, but on a deeper level, it's about like, I don't want to sound like a dumb film person because I'm not a film girly, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm usually a Marvel person. Um, simple anyway, films. <laughs> yeah, a simple film for a simple mind. It's bimbo vibes over here. Um, but th it, on, a, on a deeper level, it's about like, how nothing matters, which means everything matters. And like mm -hmm. it, and it's this beautiful relation story about this mother daughter relationship that I feel a very strong connection to. But you're mommy so shoes. close to your mommy. Ex exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that has inspired me in the like media film world. Is there anything like outside of fashion that you're like connecting to? Oh gosh. Um, so I have been on the. It's two things that I've been watching that are really good. Um, Abbott Elementary. So mm -hmm. look, I am not a comedy person. People, I, when I tell people that they're like, huh? <laughs> I just don't gear towards comedy. I just yeah. don't. Um, it's just, I usually if it's a comedy, it's a kind of comedy. I have a very dark and morbid sense of humor. 
And usually what can be shown on TV is usually, unless it's something, you know, like my favorite kind of comedy would be like Superbad. Have you ever seen Superbad? Yes. Uh-huh. Th- that kind of comedy where it's kind of comedy that's raunchy. like- A little raunchy. Yeah, a little raunchy, a little, you know, a very adult. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> shit, deadpan, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's my tea. But if usually comedies on like network television are too clean for me, they're too, mm-hmm. usually too white. And yeah. usually too clean. Very so I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, mm. so I really don't watch it. So I, even though it is, you know, produced, it has some great actresses and actors produced by Quinta Brunson. Mm-hmm. You know, I just haven't been breaking my neck to watch it. And yeah. so I watched, I binged the first two seasons this past couple of weeks. And it was so funny and so good. It is so and, cute. And cute. That's what it is. It's cute comedy. Mm-hmm. I love the quirkiness of each individual character. I love that it feels almost like Curb Your Enthusiasm a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's that kind of mockumentary kind of st- vibe of of Which shows. is my favorite type of like comedy Like The show. Office. Yeah, it's Parks and Rec. Like yeah. Yes, Mark. Yeah. So those are, you know, when I see clips of those shows, I be cracking up. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. oh, this is perfect. So I've been really, really enjoying that. And the foolishness that is the, you know, royal family. (laughs) Meghan Markle and Harry exiting and the drama of his new book. I'm reading currently. I haven't read the full thing, but spare. Um, But I'm currently, I've got on chapter five. And so I'm got to the part where he talks about applying the cream to his his parts and thinking about his mother in the room. Oh, okay. I hadn't. No, I, I think you're in for some real fun. Some real fun. I haven't gotten to that part. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm engaged in that. I mean, that's what I've been really getting my life. And last but not least, recently, I, I'm a gamey girl. I love games. I love video games, and um, you know that kind of stuff. I'm a gamer girl. And one of my favorite games of all times that woo me that that really like was wow this is a different kind of game was the last of us girl i started watching this show too (laughs) i'm uh, literally so i didn't i never played the game i didn't Uh know anything about it but i feel like a lot of people like that like it's like a pillar of gaming like people really stand that game it is i kind of knew about it and i was like i kind of heard the show but i'm not a zombie person like i Uh i'm never into zombie culture but, you know, I hate being left out of a conversation. So everyone was talking about the first episode and I was like, well, let me watch it. And now I'm hooked and I'm like, well, fuck, I got to go play the game. I got to like, I'm I'm a Last of Us girl now. So it, at the time that Last of, Last of Us came out, it was one of those um, those video games that was starting to look more and more like an animated film. Mm. And so when I first played it, I'm sitting there with my controller and I was so emotionally connected to what is happening in the intro. It is like, oh my God. So you start playing from this little girl's perspective. Like you're playing, she's in her house. The time is changing. Like, you know how every zombie movie starts off with you're introduced to the person right before it gets crazy. Yeah. 
And so that's what was happening. So she's in this house by herself and her father usually, you know, is home. He's not home. And she's like waking up and coming downstairs. And it's just a lot of weird, scary shit happening. Mm -hmm. And so her father comes in and people are trying to get her coming to the door and they get into the truck, just like on the show, they get into, but you're playing it while this is yeah. happening. You're playing. Yeah. And so you are looking back, People, you hear people on the radio, you go exactly how they do on the show. You do that. And then what happens is once you play this little girl's part um, and you finally get to the part where the, the gunman, the little soldier person, yeah. he's holding the girl and you see that part and you're like, wait, I know he is not about to shoot them. I know he is not about to shoot I, them. I was gagged. Uh... And I, but imagine you're playing as the little girl. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so you're like, what? And it was so dramatic. I had never seen this kind of drama and this not, it wasn't gore like a horror film, but somebody literally got killed. It's like and, extremely you know, high emotional stakes for a video. Yes, game. that I yeah. never had in a video game. Yeah. Like I'm sitting there balling and this is the mm -hmm. first beginning of the game. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so detailed. And I was like, oh my God, they killed her. And you see him holding her and she dies in his arms. And you're like, what yeah. is happening? And so I'm like, what? And this, the, and this, because it's the first time we get to play this level of game in regards to where it looks like you're playing a movie. Mm -hmm. I had, I had never experienced that. And so, yes, yeah. of course, games have gone way further now but at the time that this came out it was cutting edge yeah this, the storyline with the graphics and everything was dope and so to see them bring the film and change it enough to where it can be really really good so in yeah. the in the show have you watched uh, both episodes yeah i'm fully caught up so in the in in what's not um what's not aligned with the game is that the spores. So the spores would be everywhere if it was in real life. So they had to make mm -hmm. it to where, how can you get caught up in this without the spores? Because they the spores, you can't, in the game, it could work like that. But in real life, it really wouldn't work like that. But yeah. so they made it to where the, the roots of the people could talk to the other people. That is a new mm -hmm. aspect, could talk to the other zombies. So because oh, so you're saying in the show, the hive mind thing of it is taking the place of the spores. Yes. Okay. And so the spores, it can do something in the, in the movie. That's what, from what I'm seeing in the show, it eventually have its in, importance, but in the, in the game, if you're so close to the spores, that could turn you, you feel mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so, yeah. um, but in this, but real spores would be everywhere and turn everybody. Yeah. So they couldn't do that. Um, they had to make it to where you had to get bitten or, you know, in regards to that. So yeah. the idea that the, the, um, roots, which is real life, you know, when you, when it comes, mm -hmm. when you go in a forest, the fungus can actually send signals to the other forest, oh, to yeah. the, the trees and the other, you know, same, like, you know, the idea that's in, um, Avatar, yeah. um, the movie, um, and like so the hive mind of like insects, right. certain animals, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, you can yeah. actually get this pheromone or this um this this um 
don't know what it's called, but this signal to other things. Mm-hmm. And that that signal being connected to the zombies is the new aspect in the film, in the in the series. And so I thought that that was a perfect thing because it gives you an intensity and a fear and and mm-hmm. a, a deeper kind of fear where they're coming, a bunch of them is coming. Like yeah. it is so dope. So that is I my like third. Also, too, like it's so. Like I said, I'm normally not a zombie person because it feels uh-huh. like that would never happen. But this feels so like in the realm of reality a that possibility. It's, yes, it's like wow, I see that being our reality in like 50 years. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just real enough to be scaring the shit out of me, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> like, be unlike you know zombie, you can there are literally th- parasites and and fungus that can get in your brain and make you do things. Control like, your it's eyes, literally yeah. it. It's literally that. So now this is to the extreme, but this is not so far from reality that it couldn't be. And that's always why I've always loved zombie stories. That's always been my favorite genre of horror. Oh, really? Um, it's always been my favorite genre. What's your favorite zombie movie of all time? Hmm. Like for someone who doesn't like zombies, what's a good entry point? Um. Oh, it's hard for me to say my favorite because I've been watching them for years. But two ones come out to mind as soon as you ask me that. But there, it's for different reasons. So I love Dawn of the Dead. It came mm-hmm. out probably in 2004, maybe. And Heard of it, never seen it. Yes, Dawn of, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, I just like the humor, the humorous writing. that They made yeah. it adult. <clears throat> and so I enjoyed that. Another one is Night of the Living Dead. It came out in 85. Ooh. It's old. It's like mm-hmm. old from the 80s. And <laughs> it, 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 when I watch it now, it's kind of silly because that yeah. the, the animation and the um <laughs> and the makeup is very old school. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not as convincing. It as transports now. you a t- to a certain time. A certain time yeah. <laughs> of movie. <laughs> and so um it's one of those, it's just one of those films where I was like, oh, I really, really like this. But there was one scene where this girl, and you know, it had the typical stuff. If the, if you sexual, you know, you end up getting killed. If you're yeah. slutty, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. there's one of the girls who was real <laughs> slutty and she was like punk rocker looking girl. And so she got ate up by the um, by a bunch of the zombies when they came back alive. Uh-huh. And so there was a scene where this homeless man is running down, walking down the street with his cart and she has come back from the dead mm-hmm. and her her when she got ate up by the people she was being slutty and was naked so when she came <laughs> back she was naked but her She's body cunt. Uh, uh, down <laughs> and so and she she used to have red hair and so all you see is her walking down the street and she's slinking like sexy walking and the fact that it was a zombie sexy walking (laughs) (laughs) but because it just didn't make sense because all of them people that was killed her them zombies that had her all she was all beat up at 80 but no she was butt naked body (laughs) is blue they done painted this girl body blue it's ridiculous now that um, I'm the older. category is come back to life, Amazon. <laughs> right. Sex and siren. So she, she got this sickening ass uh, blue body because it's supposed to be dead. And she still got her red hair from when she was alive. So she's walking down the street, butt naked, red hair. And she come up on this homeless man. And he's like, like oh damn like you know he's a homeless man he uh-huh. sees his naked woman walking she's like ooh, and she says ah and eats it you know bite him on his neck 
and it made her face when she's walking. You, she looks like a pretty blue, kind of uh-huh. like exactly like Mystique. This okay, that's what girl. I was. That's the picture I had in my head. Yes, very that, except with the without the bumps. Uh-huh. And and then, <laughs> and then when she come up to him, her face turned into this gross, like ah, boom, uh-huh. and wear him out and bite him. So I thought as a kid, remember, I'm probably like six or seven. I can't remember eighty five. You said I'm I like love five. seeing a strong female, powerful woman. For the guy tipping through, <laughs> butt naked, fish about it, fish zombie. I lived. <laughs> it was my sick. I would rewind that part. And I know other boys at the time would have watched that and was like, Ooh. for a totally different reason. So me, I'm like rewinding because yes, bitch. <laughs> yes, like, Let's look at these body proportions real quick. Let me, right. let me see <laughs> So she was my sickness. So I would only watch it because I thought she was sickening and I wanted to be her for Halloween. My mother wouldn't let me. But <laughs> oh, God. I wanted to be her. And so, yeah, that's one of the reasons. One of my favorite, um, my favorite, favorite, favorite um, characters was her. And then the one after that is a third one because the, the main girl is a, um, I don't remember what the name was, but I think it's right after that. But she's a, it's a girl that's the main character and she gets bit and the whole movie is following her and she's turning into a zombie, but it's kind of like this self-mutilating thing. So you... Ooh. One by the time the end, she's she's trying to not turn to it, and she uses self mutilation as a way to oh, stop uh-huh. from eating people. And wow. so by the end of it, you see her body, and she done put so many spikes and shit in her body to not turn into a zombie. Mm, that's such it's, an interesting take. I'm yeah, I gotta watch that. Is mm. that one is a good one too? So I remember that one. So watch that one. So yeah, yeah okay. that has been give that's been inspiring me. The nine things that have been making bringing me you know, like entertainment other than fashion. Yeah. What about fashion? What's been giving you fashion joy? So top why of did, my why list. Why it be the same thing? It's got to be Doja in the red crystals, right? Yeah. Not Doja, but that show. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Scaparelli. <laughs> is Scaparelli. my, we've talked about them, I think, multiple times on here already. Mm-hmm. Um, Scaparelli is one of my favorite houses. Daniel Newberry, I believe, is the creative director. Mm-hmm. He's just killing it. I mean, like, it's so, the silhouettes are so, like, classic and but then everything's like turned on its head and the way he uses like gold and embellishments and they're just, they're, they're doing something. They're doing something really special. What I love is those kind of um, structured pieces that come up even up above your neck. And that stuff is each one of those are my favorites in that line. I do not like the, um, the animals. <laughs> I didn't like the lion. Yeah. I didn't like, like the wolf. I didn't like the cat. I didn't like none the of wolf. It. Was the only one that I thought was like really giving. But I think Naomi Campbell could make anything look giving. Anything so give, you yeah. know what I mean. Um, but yeah, those weren't really. I was shocked that that's what people were really gravitating towards. When yeah, like it, all of his pieces look like not all, but the ones you're talking about look like like they put a a regular design in like Photoshop. And then just like took the corners of the drag tool and just exaggerated every single like part of it, mm-hmm. um, which is so exciting to me. I fashion. love those. It yeah. just made it. It just made it look like, and it didn't feel. I don't know. It just felt those look like something fresh. It looked like mm-hmm. something new. the The ones with the animals, I don't know why that looked like. 
it reminded me honestly it reminded me of coming to america <laughs> yeah i can see that from what <laughs> you i know, know it, that's yeah. a it didn't seem like anything fresh. It maybe seemed like a take on something that had already been done with the heads, because I'm pretty sure we've seen the head of our animal on certain things yeah. already. So, but the ones with the where the corset went up further than normal. Mm-hmm. Not saying that we ain't seen that before, but for me, that was fresh to me. It was fresh yeah. and modern and very sleek. The details were fire. Then that fucking quilted white coat with the lace up back. I'm always a like I quilting always gets me but the way they did it is just so it looks Uh, it's bomb I want it fire as fuck love it who's inspiring me is the house of Balmain like it's 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 like what Oliver is over there doing is just dope to me it's it seems fun it seems cheeky but it also seems very very detailed and and just the structure, it just seems like we're over here designing, baby. Yeah. We're, de- we're over here designing. Yes, it feels like he's like, I I really wanted to not like him because of his lips. I just for it. <laughs> no, no, I envy the lips. I want the lips. That's me next year. No, after I get my taxes. No. Um, something about his uh, collaborations with the Kardashians just like egged me. I don't know what it was. I was just being a hater, I think. But it's ve- it's so hard not to love him because all of his clothes, especially the most the ones you're talking about, like it feels like he's playing dress up in such a like a fun, irreverent way with fashion, but with money. And they're like and they're paying attention to every detail, but it's still like fun and one of my favorite looks recently was um mj rodriguez at golden globes she wore bomb on that like blue that blue oh hey she looks so good so they're just they're just doing everything right i love i love i love that she finally got to get honored um for um her golden globe was a golden globe yep it was golden globe yeah for winning her golden globe did she want an emmy too who did she want an emmy or a golden globe I know I was Golden Gold. That was Golden Gold. But didn't she win an Emmy too? I want to say she did. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, just the fact that we were going through that damn pandemic and then she didn't get to, you know, have the moment on stage because that is a big um, publicity moment for somebody. It's super, super huge. So she didn't get it. So I love that Ryan was able to give her her flowers a little bit. And so the fact that she chose that sickening blue that looks great on her skin, her hair was just perfect. It was Mm -hmm. that kind of simple kind of wave, old Hollywood kind of situation. It just was gorgeous. I love, 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 She looks so like timeless and elegant and, but also like fresh and the color was beautiful on her. Like, yeah, that's, that's, we love it. We love it. We love it. And I love when she gives the um I don't know if this is I'm just gonna say it because I don't um because I think it's because we're this is about fashion. This isn't about I thought you're gonna say because I don't care. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um uh so everybody has a body type. Everybody mm. has theirs and and you know emphasizing certain certain things and wearing clothes that fit your silhouette. It's just a part of fashion, wearing clothes that make your frame look good. And one of her, I don't want to call it a flaw. I don't want to call it a flaw. But one of the things about her, because she is a trans woman, she just, she her hip proportions aren't as mm. um, in proportion um, with her shoulders, okay? Yeah. So I'm not trying to read anything like that. So, um, so because of that, 
sometimes when she wears certain silhouettes, it emphasizes that kind of triangle shape. But I like when she wear clothes that take away the emphasis of her hips to where she can, you can kind of, it gives another shape that can stick, that's, that's still feminine without emphasizing that kind of um, more triangular shape vibe. Yeah. And that's yeah. not a read. I'm just saying that as somebody who looks at people's shape, who looks at how clothes fit on people. And, um, but that's she what just I found a way to finally highlight her like better parts. Yes, her better not, parts. Not exactly. better, but you know what I mean. Yeah, her, you know, without without it looking like oh, okay, I, that's a little off to me. Yeah. And so um I think that I dress was a perfect example because it made her shoulders look smaller, but then took away the the idea, even though it still was giving that kind of that kind of V shape, but because it elongated. It just made you think of the silhouette as the design instead of it just being, oh, this is her lack of hips in this yeah. particular dress. Does it make yeah. sense? It makes sense. Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah. So we always call that, that Courtney act body because there was a girl on Drag Race <laughs> years ago who just was refusing to pay it. Yes. And she <laughs> yeah. thought she was like femme queen. Like she thought she was the most femme girl ever. And then she just walked out there with her little little slim hips and just hated a pad child child anyway. put you some pads on girl <laughs> you know you ain't got to come on you know it's drag come on show us. <laughs> give us that but you know yeah so um so that's what i loved up when she chooses outfits that gives a silhouette that kind of you know balances that out it, it's so perfect to me so yeah, yeah. my mind has been giving me um what i need the Love new that. pre-fall, we, we posted on our um, Chasing Threads account, the the pink. And then this little red suit with a hat. I know you're a hat girl. Mm-hmm. It looks so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pink, my, I mean, that's the pink is, like, out of this world. The pink like, is, like, out of this world. I love it. Jaw-dropping, yeah. <clears throat> Just, you remember on Devil's Well Prada when <laughs> that almost, like, Oliver Light character what have brought the red bow gown out and she pierced her lips yes with, okay yeah it remind it remind me of that but this is done right like if 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 he that character would have done this it would have got a sick aesthetic ovation yeah but because you do this boring ass big ass bow and gown girl that's light so of course he's gonna give you the pierced lips honey i did not live for that dress and i would have been exactly no. like miranda no ma'am like Next. tired <laughs> gotta go back to the drawing board <laughs> but if this reminds me of that but right but like, good this is how yeah. it would have been done <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then of course the one that is like the second slide that one with the silver that that just looks so fucking dope i don't know that's to me that looks like you know of course it's kind of costumey but i just love the details and it just i love it i love 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 but I guess more my style is going to be the one with the hat. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely Diamond. Oh, and the Diamond last down. one, number seven, very me. It's given 80s. It's yeah. given rich auntie. Know, rich auntie, very <laughs> I need it all. Let's chase, chase these threads. threads. All right, Diamond, it's time for our trinket. As everybody knows, trinket is like one of my favorite parts of our entire episode. Trinket is where we take something small in fashion, small in history, and we kind of take an expanded look at it. Something that might feel small, um, but actually has a much bigger and larger impact in history than we might think of. 
Um, I know that the one that Diamond is talking about today, I did a little bit of research myself, and I know that it is steeped in history and glamour and a ton of folklore. So I'm excited to hear what Diamond has to tell us about this week's trinket. So this week's trinket is the Peregrina Pearl. So pearl. it is pearl, baby. <laughs> one of the most famous pearls in the world, once owned by many, many several Spanish monarchies. It history spans about 500 years and it its most recent um, famous person to own it was Elizabeth Taylor. Mm. The jewel now is in private ownership. One of the interesting characteristics of this pearl is it is huge and it's shaped like a pear. It's asymm- mm. it's it's symmetrically perfect. It is it it is just it's one like of those one of the most symmetrically perfect pearls ever, correct? Right, right. Okay. And that's amazing because how a pearl is made. This is really really interesting. Have you ever do you know how a pearl is made? Have you ever I have a very basic understanding of it. Like a grain of sand gets caught in a shell and then it eventually grows to a pearl. Okay. So what you have is what I thought. And we're both wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I love being wrong. Okay. So that's what I thought too. I thought a grain of sand and the pressure of the clam or something Mm -hmm. turned it into the pearl. So microwave did. I have no idea. Yeah, it does something. (laughs) So that's my whole for years that has been what I thought about as a pearl but the uh-huh. reality of a pearl is that the clam gets some type of something in its body that it can't get rid of and in order to save it like a like a parasite whatever mm. it catches in order to save itself just like our body does it encapsulates the thing mm. so it can't do any damage and so at the so it's heart actually of, a form of self-protection. Yes, of the clam. Wow. And that you they use their secretions to wrap around it. And that secretion is what is what gives the pearl its iridescence. Wow. Okay. And hmm. so usually it's a parasite. It can be things like it's not saying, <laughs> but it can be things like a fish. It can be things like like a baby fish that I got in there, uh-huh. depending on how big the clam is. So it, it, anything that Typically, it feels so it is like, something organic, like something organic, something okay. that it feels like, bitch, you ain't supposed to be in here with me. Gotcha. And okay. honey, we wear you out. <laughs> Same thing our body does. You feel what I'm saying? Let me slowly beat your ass over. How long does it take? <laughs> it could be years. years. <laughs> let, let, let us encapsulate you. And it's just going to keep building around it with its secretions. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. the way what comes out is boom. So what makes this an amazing pearl is that it's very few that have this shape. We don't know why it has its shape. And so it is just beautiful pear-like pearl. And so the history of it is that it was found by an African slave Mm. on a beach in Panama. And so we know the history of slavery in the Caribbean and South America, Northern South America, and all that kind of stuff. And so how, when the slave found it, the um, the person that owned the slave end up getting it and bringing it back. His name is Don Pedro Tamez. Um, he was like the administrator of Panama. And so he sent it back as a gift to King Philip of Spain in like the 1500s. I also read the story about the slave finding it. 
that they were when he took it to them they were so impressed by how beautiful it was that they actually gave him his freedom in return for finding the pearl which is like wow like what a weird way for this pearl's like story to like start yeah, well that's a nice way of putting it i <laughs> i when i heard that part of wait it, how did you read it that's how the one i read was that's how he paid for his freedom Oh, so my way was a bit more benevolent and generous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let me take the blinders <laughs> off. Okay. Okay. Now I'm here. Yes. With you. That's okay. how he paid for his freedom to be, you know, to be free. Um, so not just nicely. <laughs> oh, please give us that pearl so you can be free. <laughs> okay, sorry. My whiteness was like too clocked in there. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, what a wonderful story. Like, how oh. sweet. They okay. let him be free because of the pearl. <laughs> That's so white. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So, so Prince of um King Philip the second um gets the pearl. King Philip is of is of Spain. Mm -hmm. He wants to marry because you know, in, back in the day during the Tudor times, baby, they married for power. It was not oh, about yeah. no damn um. Mm -hmm. Um, sanctity of marriage. You know how motherfuckers <laughs> love, especially with the LGBT stuff. Now we don't uh -huh. want that fight, so I want to bring it up. But <laughs> they were like, "Ooh, the sanctity of marriage." Sanctity had nothing to do with marriage when it started. Uh -huh. It was about uh, just like the incest to strengthen the bloodlines and strengthen the power bonds. And mm -hmm. so, at the time, the Queen of England was Mary. She was the illegitimate daughter of Henry the Eighth. Now, that's a whole other scandal. We know Henry VIII had three children, child. He had like six wives. Don't quote me on that, but he had a bunch of wives. I think it was six, but... He's Anne Boleyn, right? Right. So Cutting Anne Boleyn, okay. yeah, Anne Boleyn was his second wife. Anne Boleyn is also the most, you know, the famous golden age Queen Elizabeth I. Mother. The, mm -hmm. You know, the virgin queen, the, yeah. the one who never married and blah, 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 blah. And there's a reason why that is. So... His first wife was named Catherine. Catherine had a child, but I can't remember what happened to her. She's important to the Pearl story. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, Philip, the king of Spain, was betrothed to Princess Mary. So Mary, they tried to make Mary, Mary's mother was Jane Seymour. Who he married, who Princess, this is a lot of mess going on. This is the Tudor, so y'all know it's a lot of mess. So he married Princess Jane because he was tired of Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn, just like any other motherfucking chick that tried to play the games and get a man over some shady shit, mm -hmm. she got wore out over that same shady ass man. <laughs> so Anne Boleyn, her sister, Mary, mm -hmm. was fucking Henry, but the sister was his mistress, okay? mistress while he was married to Catherine once but Catherine couldn't give him any boys mm -hmm. and so he was over her so he had a mistress named Mary which is Anne's sister and like hey I know you live for my sister and she keep having boy children from you but and I, I'm in the court too and I know you want me but I'm gonna play hard to get you want me, you got to divorce Miss Catherine baby and marry me you want mm -hmm. this puss I'm 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 that girl. Put a ring on it. Put a ring on it, baby. Get and so, and, and 
no, no, no. The pearl ain't there yet. At this time, the oh, pearl yeah, ain't there. Yeah. Yet. Okay, sorry. So put a <laughs> ring on it, baby. And so he he did exactly what because because she played this hard to get thing. He's like, oh, he's a king. I want what I want. And so mm-hmm. he totally denounced Catholicism and became this kind of Protestant motherfucker. Um, That's the start and, of the Church of England, right? He yes. the whole reason was because they didn't want to recognize his divorce. Exactly. All of yeah. this is because of that. How we get the religion that we got in regards to whether it's Catholic is controlling or Protestant is controlling England. And Why? so I need a Real Housewives of the Tudors. Right. right. That's what we like, need immediately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly. And so Anne has a daughter, which is Elizabeth the First that we know, the famous one. Mm-hmm. But it gets real crazy, and he end up killing her. Okay. But he ended up marrying Jane Seymour, have a daughter named Mary. So now it's two daughters, Mary and Elizabeth. Elizabeth the first. Mary is old. <laughs> Mary is is old looking, and she has she's short, portly, just not attractive. Everybody yeah. know, but everybody who talks about her talks about how. Mm, She's not that girl, homely, portly, (laughs) short, not that good in stature, as opposed to Elizabeth, who is tall, beautiful, charismatic, not only in um, look, but personality. She's that big. Elizabeth, the stallion. The stallion, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And so... So she is that girl and everybody's living, but they're, but when you legitimate, when they legitimize Mary's birth, because remember she was the illegitimate daughter too. Mm-hmm. When they legitimize Mary's birth, it legitimized Elizabeth's birth as well. The way the law was working at the time. So once he did have a son by his next, by his, ne- by, um, by his next wife, but, um, but he dies when he was young. So now only people is left is the two daughters. Okay. Yeah. So he was trying to stop her from being a secession, but Mary was, she ugly, but she's smart child. And so she was like, you got me fucked up. So she said, she, you chose looks, I chose books. Okay. Honey, baby. I'm getting the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so she, it worked out in her favor and she becomes the queen of England. But you know, I got this sister over here that, uh, you know, she all, there's always a chance this bitch might try it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, but I am the Catholic girl. I live for Catholicism, Mary. And then Elizabeth was the Protestant girl. Mm-hmm. So it is was this battle of who was going to be who. Mary, once her father died, she brought Catholic back in. So that brings yeah. Spain. And so her goal was to marry Philip, who got the pearl, back to the pearl, mm-hmm. marry Philip. Philip wanting to marry her to get the power of marrying her unite the kingdoms he sent her before even meeting her he sent her the pearl okay so sent her the pearl asked her to marry him blah 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 so when he gets there to marry her (laughs) oh this is who i gotta marry So he is not living He's for Miss Mary Where is Catfish? Where is me? <laughs> where is like, Catfish? Where is the camera? <laughs> we need to know. Cut the camera Y'all dead ass. Y'all set me up. This for is really? not who I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. So he meets Elizabeth. And he Just sees her. around the court. Because she's sipping. Oh, no, no, no. She's actually in, on house arrest because uh, of. 
Her now, what did she do? She didn't really do nothing, but you know how the games to the play about up overthrowing <laughs> thrones and shit, girl. So, Her sister was like, I'm not even trying it. I ain't even gonna play with you, your bitch. room. Yes. <laughs> Locked you in. Actually is gonna be, you actually is gonna be on house arrest in <laughs> Catherine's. This is how she popped her. So Catherine, remember Catherine? Uh-huh. The, the first, first wife. wife? You know, Anne Boleyn was the second wife. She actually put her on house arrest in her house, Catherine's house. Damn. So she said, I know she ain't going to play with you because she didn't <laughs> fuck with your mama. <laughs> so oh she ain't going to play with you. So she put her in the house, and even Catherine's new husband was molesting her and stuff. Elizabeth Ooh. molesting Elizabeth. Oh, it was a mess. So anyway, that's the, you know, that's the rumor that he was trying to wear her out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Philip convinces Mary to bring Elizabeth back to court. Like mm-hmm. get her back into the, you, you, this is not godly. This is not a part of how we supposed to be treating our siblings. This is your sibling. She is royal blood. Stop <laughs> playing these games. You can't, if you can be the queen, then she should be able to be in the court. Da, 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 da. But you know he only doing this because, honey, I want to try. He's trying to get a piece. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. That is so funny. That is funny. So Mary gets pregnant. Okay, so she's happy and getting her life because she's about to have a, a prelis- Now she, now her, she lives for Philip because Philip is sickening. Oh yeah, he he looks sickening. He's young, young Spanish trade. Got getting her life, baby. Getting her life. And so she says she doesn't, she really just doing whatever he say because you know she lives for him. She wanna have his yeah. baby, blah, 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 blah. Honey, nine months come around. Don't know baby come. She looks fat <gasps> and pregnant, but don't know baby come. Ten months roll around. Ain't no baby here yet. Baby, Miss Thing ain't pregnant. <laughs> So they make it seem like she has some kind of miscarriage or something. Then another pregnancy happened. Boom, because her period stopped coming. Another pregnancy happened. I'm on literally on the edge of my seat. <laughs> like I am so enthralled. Like, come, okay, let's go. Another pregnancy happened. So every one of her pictures that she's having while the, all this shit is going on, she got the pearl on. Because the pearl, Philip turned the pearl, King Philip turned the pearl into the royal right. jewels. It was mm. a normal, it was just a normal part of the jewel, but he turned it into royal jewels. So ever oh, it's since part then, of like the crown jewels. The crown jewels, right, fair, okay, of, fair. of Spanish. And so ever since he turned them there, wherever their hands was, it was a part of the royal jewels. And so when, so second pregnancy fail, she gets pregnant. It never happened. So we don't know. She got, people assumed it was some kind of um, like fibroids or something because she was looking pregnant. And so it could have been, they was assuming what we would know as fibroids now. And so she never had any children and she ended up getting sick and dying before Mary could get in her grave. I'm talking about before death. (laughs) She's still he, warm. He still still alive. <laughs> Baby, he went and told Elizabeth, Pearl, uh, <laughs> I have the pearl. I, look, when she go, I, you gonna take the throne. 
because you are the legitimate heir because she didn't have an heir. Yeah. And, you know, the son is dead. The, the, the actual boy of Henry mm -hmm. was dead. You're the last one. And so you're you're the spare, motherfucker. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so she would be the queen of England. And so he offered her, marry me, and this is what you get. But <laughs> Elizabeth said, first of all, bitch, if you would do this to my sister, I know you would do it to me. And she never liked me because they never liked each other. So don't don't get it twisted that they they look, I told you she put her in a house arrest under that lady. Yeah. So they never got along. And Mary was jealous of her because she was the pretty, tall, uh -huh. charismatic sister that everybody lived for. And so she says, I know my sister didn't like me. I know you was the reason that came to court, but I also know that you a man and you wearing it out and you just trying to get power with me and you got me fucked up. Once her sister died and she took the throne, mother become the queen of Smen. She said, baby, I'm never going to get married to no man. I am married. I am the married to God. I am the divine <laughs> virgin Mary. I don't need a man because I'm married to England. That is my husband. And so that's yeah. why she was the longest reigning queen, just like the other Elizabeth <laughs> before Elizabeth. Yeah. And she said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the, the Protestant church my king. So I don't need to marry anybody. Wow. Yeah. And so she started to paint her face white. She started to always have herself in these glamorous things. And wait, wait, wait. Philip said, Oh, you want to play the game? You want to be that girl and you don't want to take my pearls? You don't want to take my hand in marriage. I know you want this pearl because everybody told me that you want this pearl. So I mm. am not going to give it to you. I'm going to betroth it to somebody in Spain so that you can't get it from Mary. Do you see what I'm saying? Because she wouldn't uh -huh. inherit it's it. It's leaving from Mary. the country completely. Baby, it's leaving the country and you can't get it. But mm. what Elizabeth said, okay, baby, we're in a whole new world now, baby. What I'm going to do is start ramshacking every ship that you own with my fleet and wear every Spanish ship out to find where the pearls are. And when I find them, I'm going to take them. <laughs> hey, um, so she was hiring. She said, I was locked in that motherfucking tower and I will do whatever it takes to get my pearl. Uh, that girl <laughs> in the spirit of Margaret Thatcher. The blueprint. Let's wear you out. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to wear you out with my fleet. And stop playing with me. <laughs> and so she will hire pirates, basically pirates, and put wow. and be and hire them, and they will go and attack ships and take all of their pearls, all of their jewels, and what Petty, she was looking for. It. Right, she was looking for that pearl. Mm -hmm. And so, and so that's what started this whole this whole thing about her exploring different places and getting people to go out and all that kind of stuff. And this battle between. Um, Spain and England at the time yeah. and so and so and that's when we start seeing her you know she got the big clown we I call them clown collars but yeah <laughs> Elizabethan collar Elizabethan collars and she yeah. started doing the white she the white paint, face paint she started being a fashion icon <laughs> and once pearls became a part of her identity because but she never got the the one pearl that we're talking about I'm sorry she never got the pearl that we were talking about. She got a lot of their pearls, but not the one. Not okay, the, not, okay, the okay. not that one. So and it's so, the one that got away. It's the one that got away. But the 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 Spanish the Spanish people still had it. So they end up giving it to Napoleon Bonaparte 
because wow. he became the emperor. Remember? Okay, short king. He be short king. <laughs> he became the emperor, and so once that happened, it ended up going like multiple people who was coming from Spain would wear it, and they would lose it in Buckingham Palace. Like it was lost two times in Buckingham Palace during different balls by Spanish visitors, Spanish of royalty visitors it because was, it was like so time. big and heavy it would like just fall off it right? will fall off of this um <laughs> this thing that was in and so it will fall off ripping in jewels like uh -huh. literally like dripping in jewels exactly and we gotta stand a little bit exactly so then it was sold to um an auction to in london to this um it's 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 spelled s-o-t-h-e-b-y in oh, london Sundays. yes and yep. then Richard Burton in 1969 at the auction bought it and he bought it for $37,000 for Elizabeth, his wife, <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor. The next Elizabeth. Wow. So if you want to see the pearl that we're talking about, the Pellegrina, if you want to see it, just, just search um, Elizabeth Taylor's pearl. She used to wear it all the time. You know, she's known for her diamonds because she has sickening mm -hmm. diamonds. But the pearl is something she was also known for, too. And it's, she's always has it. It's, it got tons of diamonds, and then it's dripping. That last little pear-shaped yeah. pearl. Gorgeous. And last but not, that's the, um, now it's a, a private owner. But what I wanted to talk about, why this was the trinket, is because... I thought I think perf in my brain, I think this is a perfect example of when we talk about when we talk about racial justice, let's bring it to something relatable mm -hmm. in our time right now, of how resources can be passed down into whiteness. Okay. So we know that this was found by an African. And we think about all the Af the all the African resources that are pillaged now today by um, you know, now, then and across this, these past centuries. Um, that the slave trade benefited from, that everybody who was who get diamonds, blood diamonds, um, the beers, the, that companies, mm -hmm. those type of things. When we think about, when we talk about, when race, racial justice people talk about how resources have been passed down, this is a tangible item that you can see went from the hands of an African all the way through multiple royalties all the way to a celebrity and it has made these people money and now right now it sits and it's in it sits in somebody's wealth box yeah. <laughs> and this is something tangible now if you think about that in the regards to money like actual wealth and how you come this is what we're talking about how people right now are benefiting from the resources that they have gotten from Africa, whether it be the labor or whether it be actual resources, wealth from the resources from the land. And yeah. so this is one tangible item. There is, it could be money, it could be crown jewels uh, at, at uh, in the royals. We, we know mm -hmm. tons of them diamonds came from Africa. Um, but I just, I want you to visualize how over the years this has pa has passed and compounded in its wealth and in its stature. And also the, the through line of a person of color, an African person working to, to get something, to find something. And it's something that if we're to believe that he was given his freedom after this, that literally mm -hmm. changed his life. Yeah. And then white people used it as a toy, as a plaything. It was that started wars and started yeah. literally started the Spanish War. Was a part of the was a part of that. And the connection 
the connection with religion taking over. Mm -hmm. You see these connections of how literally people were coming to um, the white people that were coming to Americans, the Puritans that were coming to America, they were coming to America running from Catholicism because they thought that Mary was bringing Catholicism because it was a little bit more progressive. You feel what I'm saying? In regards to um, how they were maneuvering at the time. And so Protestantism, she was bringing it back to England and it was scaring the fuck out of them. They were like, exactly. Oh, shit. It was the Protestant was the more conservative. Yeah. And so they wanted to come over here. And so they can be so they can be not only start a new land and started this, but so they can be away from what was going on with the Catholics and the yeah. battle with Catholic and Protestant. We, we're going to come over here and just be Protestant. And be our own team. We're out the Native Americans because they savages. We can make them follow us and, you know, bring the slaves over. They just was on some bullshit, as we know. Yeah. And so, but one of the reasons why the laws is how they are here and how this is a Christian-based country is because of that fact. And the pearl was connected. The relationships was con with, with all of this stuff, the pearl was connected to. And so how its connections and it's just a perfect example of how all of these things and how if you follow the money, you will see how, you know, this country has benefited, particularly white Americans have benefited from this labor and this this exploitation of resources. Yeah. And so this is just one example of that. And I thought it was an interesting trinket because this episode, we are going to be talking about the royal family and the mess in there. So Ooh. this is my, my trinket for... This episode, Love the that. La Peregrina. Yes. What does that mean, by the way? Do you know what that means? The Wanderer. Ooh, perfect name. <laughs> exactly. Perfect sense. The Wanderer, honey. It Love goes from that. hand to hand, baby. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was so interesting. I want you to know that I also researched that subject. Ain't none of that shit in my research. Because I was like, <laughs> I want to make sure I know what she's talking about, girl. It's, I was like, ooh, this is so interesting. I didn't even know none of that. So yeah. Yours was so much more in depth because you just be knowing. I just be learning. <laughs> I, just I be learned learning. most of the things that I learned about it was from this book called The Stone. And we'll put that in the um in the show notes. But it's this book called The Stone, and it is it uh stoned. And it is this book that talks about money and, and jewels and things that we find of value mm -hmm. that have and shaped the world. Chance. Like the um, Fabergé eggs, the, the, yeah. the, those, the history of them, um, the history of diamonds, the history of the pearl, the history of fucking tulips. Did you know that the tulip used to be like money in the Dutch area, in the Dutch, to the Dutch? And it oh, made and their fucking- all their art and shit. Yes. Man. And it, it made their economy crash. The tulip. Oh my God. Wow. I've got to get this book. That is yes, all so it's called The Stone. And it just it just gives you all this detail about everything that we find of value and how it became. Yeah. And and just money. Like literally um in New York, the island that New York is built on was mm -hmm. paid with shells. What the white people paid the Native Americans. They paid them beads and shells to be able to have the land because to them, that was their source of currency. Yeah. And wow. so they paid them that. Oh, it's such an interesting, uh, just an interesting book. So check it out. And that's how I know the details of that. See, 
this is the difference between a bitch that reads books and a bitch that learns <laughs> on TikTok. Because TikTok ain't going all that deep, okay? <laughs> Let me get my library card renewed. <laughs> Let's chase these threads. All right, after that trinket, I'm like, all I want to talk about is the royal family still. Like, I cannot get enough of it. I, I always forget how messy they are. And that how messy everything was. Like, yes. Insane. And like we're going to talk about today, ain't shit changed. Nothing has changed with them. They're still the most watchable soap opera in the world. Um, yeah, like, it mess. It's just mess. Yes. Hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about season five of The Crown today. I know that we both are big The Crown lovers. Yes. Um, as you see, Diamond knows her history on the Royals, baby. <laughs> um, now, it's just I, the first celebrity death that I that was like interesting to me as a mm -hmm. kid was Princess Diana Diane. Yeah. I had never seen the world react to a death in that way. Like the entire world, the eyes entire world was on, on that. that, and yeah. so seeing the boys and they were young, following her, um, the casket, and you know all and the she's things. She's a princess, and it's, she's a she's princess. Beautiful. She's beautiful, and... and she's nice. She's sweet. She went to the AIDS, um, the yeah. AIDS kids, and you know that you know they were honey. When I was coming out, the AIDS stuff was honey thrown in our face like crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so her being this beautiful princess that were going and treating the the patients with dignity for me as a queer child growing up and her and remember she died in 97. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, somewhere around that time. And so late 90s. So I'm well into my teenage years. And so yeah. I'm definitely queer, definitely trans, definitely all of these things. Mm -hmm. So I had been um impacted by that stuff so when i yeah. impacted by her deaths not impacted in like oh i have i was emotionally invested but impacted in like wow this is what somebody that everybody cared attention. about i was paying yeah. attention yeah yeah that's kind of how i felt about her too i don't remember being super into the royals when i was like a kid but i do like princess diana for me is like a ever-present memory from when i was a kid mm. um even as someone who like knew i like loved or let me rephrase that up even as someone who didn't even know that I loved quote unquote fashion at that point, there was something about her that felt different and elegant and elevated. Um, I mean, she at the time, and maybe even, no, I'm sure Kim Kardashian has surpassed her, but at the time she was the most photographed woman in the world. Like mm -hmm. she was everywhere. So she just felt so, so present. Um, so I've always been so obsessed with her. And yes, like as I got older and found my queerness and, the story of her being an outsider, not accepted by this long held traditional family. It's like, of course we can all relate to that. And then her accepting this of the gays, like it's, yeah, she's, she's like a very important part, I think of queer life and of, and of, and of my memories of the nineties. Yeah, mm -hmm, definitely. So I was excited now that she's like fully, a fully realized character in season five of the crown. Facts. Um, I was excited to see how they were going to, portray that and keep it you know real to her but how they were going to fill in those gaps that we don't know and elizabeth debecky killed the role first of all yes, yes. <laughs> she killed it yeah i was about to call her something else but i couldn't <laughs> think of her last name so i had to look it up but yes first when i first saw her as the, as diane i was like oh, 
They yeah. found the perfect object because she is giving Diane down. Yeah, like, <laughs> I remember this first picture. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like it, she looks just like her. Yes, like the accent. It was, it was great. It was, she was enthralling, truly. Yes. Now, now that she's back and she's on there, and this is the Diana that we remember. That we remember. Yeah. What are there any of those looks that have stood out to you, like speaking in the fashion realm, that have really been like, oh, I remember that. I, like, I love the way they did that. Or is there, how are you connecting to the fashion and to, to your version of Diana in this representation? So Diana, for me as a fashion kind of icon, I remember her in skirts and blazers. Like mm -hmm. that kind of skirt and blazer combination, big shoulders sometimes, kind of oversized yeah. blazers, and that shortcut, that feathered shortcut. Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me. She also reminds me. There's something about her that reminds me of the '70s. That, but this was when she was younger. Like when, yeah. and so that's not the Diana that I was introduced to. But seeing yeah. pics of her in the past, it reminds me just her feathered kind of chili bowl, feathered yeah. cut. Was that I always remember her for that, but definitely the suits and the the, the blazers and the skirts always and the kind of not not kitten heels but not sexy tall heels either. Yeah. It was kind of like that medium pointed toe, mm -hmm. um, pointed toe heels. Those are the things yeah. that I remember about Diana when it comes to fashion. I remember the blazers always like usually with like a nice little hat. Um, there's this one uh, TikTok video that's going viral now of her from. God, I don't even remember when. Sometime, I think, after she was newly married to Charles, and they were going to some, like, signing of this proclam proclamation, and she walks in in this, like, black suit and this black and white hat with her head down so the press can't see her because it's in the time frame where she was like, I'm sick of the press. I No more photos. And there's no pictures being taken. And then all of a sudden, she lifts her head up, and you can see her face from the hat, all the flashes of the cameras. <laughs> And it's just like, damn, bitch. Like, ah, so yes, I remember the suits and the hats. That girl. Um, that girl. Um, and I also remember the streetwear Diana. So, like, the Harvard sweater and the little biker yeah. shorts and the sneakers and the um, the balloon sweater that she used to wear a lot with the biker shorts. Like, and the, the cool little ball cap she used to wear. Um, I remember her casual style a lot, too, and feeling really interested in that. She was always giving body electric workout fish to me. <laughs> she was on Soul Cycle before she even started. Yes. Oh, and then any any of her looks that she was um when she was holding the baby, showing them off. Like when she yeah. would be when she was first introducing the baby not when she was coming out of the hospital with him but like when she would have the first pictures and be with yeah. the other family those i remember those looks like the blue with the hat i remember those looks really really well as well i would say the the diana look that sticks out most in my mind mm -hmm. is the revenge dress though like we have uh, to talk about the revenge dress yes it i mean she said world stop uh, like yeah. she was like, uh, like tell me what you know about the revenge dress i want to hear the diamond story so the the story that i know of course was this is when the tampon mm -hmm. um the tampon 
not a sex tape, but because this is before the video time. But they were like the voicemails, right? It was like it was like um a voice recording. Yeah. That of Camilla and Charles talking. And so they were having basically phone sex. Yeah. They were, you know, he had said something, you know, a flirty along the lines of, I wish that you, oh, my little camera was twisted. Um, I, you know, I wish I was a tampon inside of you or whatever, you know, something, which to <laughs> me, knowing what we know, you know, this is the your fucking mistress. It, it yeah. was that the, I hated the I hate Camilla. Camilla is the devil in all yeah. the royal it's stories. It's on site for Camilla. It's on site, baby. You is <laughs> whack. I don't like you. And so, because of that, but I also understood this moment. These are two people who has loved each other, and because of the structures of society and the rules loved about each other who before they are, Diana, it was even was even Diana in, was in the picture. That's before, what's so sad about the whole shit. Right. So so I have to sympathize with Charles. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? In the sense of this is what I wanted. I didn't want none of this other bullshit. Yeah. So they forced me in this situation yeah. <laughs> because I was the quote unquote king. Mm-hmm. I wanted her. And the the added fact, this is also what was also annoying about this scenario. The added fact that this bitch lived to fucking 96. <laughs> <laughs> so you sacrificed your perfect life to be king for maybe 15 years, maybe, but not looking you like it with your badass hell. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not with them sausage fingers, baby. Yes, you is not about to live as long as her. Probably you a man. So more than likely, you is not. And so because of that, it's like I really could have married her because I wasn't gonna be king anyway for too long. So girl, y'all is doing y'all all this bullshit was a snow even diane's death was a snowball effect because y'all wouldn't let me do what i wanted to do and y'all and and based on elizabeth's life and throughout the things there were certain things that they were shifting on man like we already learned this lesson with margaret and here you go doing it to me and just like me going to a different school that I didn't, that y'all didn't want me to go to, y'all was shifting on some things and y'all could have shifted and none of this stuff would have happened. Yeah. But I also knew that Camilla was married to somebody. Yeah. So what was y'all going to do with that? So it was a whole bunch of mess. So that's how I got connected to the, the hearing the recordings of him and Camilla. And then, all right, now we got to, now I got to pop y'all with a look because at the end yeah. of the day, when they got married, Diana was 19 and Charles is 32, 31, 32, mm-hmm. 33, somewhere in his early 30s. Yeah. And they're the same age. And Camilla, I think, is a little bit older than him, right? I, was, I think she is older, yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about a 19-year-old woman compared to a middle-aged woman. And yeah. honey, and, and Camilla ain't no motherfucking Diane Spencer, baby. When we talk about <laughs> no, looks. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. And so her saying, all right, y'all play this game. Cute. Let me show you how silly you look cheating on me yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am the people's princess already. <laughs> Let me, 
and you already hate me because I'm tipping around and they living for you. When we go on our tours, they living for me, I mean. They living mm -hmm. for me. When I get off the plane, it's Diana, 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 I'm Diana. I'm the star now. I'm the star. Now so let, let me step me, into my stardom. Let me show you what I used to try to <laughs> tone it down for your bitch ass. But now yeah. that we are divorced, were they divorced at the time? I think they were, I think it was like two years after they got divorced, but yes. because of the whole tampon thing, he had to go on TV and address it. And it was the first time he publicly admitted, admitted cheating on her. So she was right. like, baby, let me pull this little black dress out. Let, ah! me, let me get it out. I read that she had the dress in her closet for three years, wow. but she was too worried that it was going to be like too daring. So they keep her stylist kept trying to pull it for her to wear, and she was like, "No, I can't wear it. I can't wear it." And that night, she was like, "Bring me the black dress." Ah, her, <laughs> love it. Who made the dress? So the dress was designed by the shocking dress was designed by Christina Stambolin. Um, I didn't look to see what other work she had done, but like I said, I know that Diane had had the dress for a while before she decided to wear it, and she just like. She was too timid, but then he he admitted to wanting to be a tampon, so <laughs> she said not anymore. How do you think it went with them portraying it on season five of The Crown in the dress? Did were you did you feel that same feeling when you saw it? Like how so was it it was a win for you? You thought they got it, there. It was a win for me because anytime they show these iconic moments of Diana and Elizabeth came on screen. It was such a perfect casting that yeah. I was like, yo, this is perfect. And we knew, we know that um, Elizabeth had um, an eating disorder. She was bulimic. Um, and even her frame was given, you know, somebody who's bulimic because she's very, very thin and yeah. you tall, tall. And, you know, she gave that whole Diana look, her frame, her hair, her look. And so when she got out of that car, on season five, I was like, Elizabeth, you better work. Yeah, she just I, slayed. And I think that's what The Crown and Netflix do so well because they have the money. It's like, we knew these icon iconic scenes and looks were coming this season. So our expectations are already here. And I feel like it it even exceeded expectations because I, I was like, I do remember feeling that same way of like, oh my God, like, damn, she's eating them up. Like, it got me like so excited. And I was just, yeah, I just love to see that moment like played out. Even the camera angle, like because we saw that we know what those iconic pictures look like mm -hmm. when the, how they were positioning the cameras was for us to see it at the angle that You're those like, it's coming, pictures. it's coming, it's yeah, coming. it's coming. <laughs> how she got out of the car, how she walked to the people, it just was perfect. It was yeah. just perfect, perfect, perfect. I loved it, loved yeah. it, loved it, loved it. I thought that was one of the best of the season. I also really thought the uh like blue halter top dress that they she wore that was really sparkly i remember diana wearing that one and i thought she looked really good in the show with it mm -hmm. um they really killed it with like the pantsuits and the tartan that she wore i mean yeah I, they they did their research and i will say too the other thing about what we know about the crown is that it's fictionalized like they're filling in the gap these moments that we don't know the gaps exactly um, but they're so feeling was, it in not just making it up. They're feeling there's some things that yeah. are made up, but they're feeling it in from Based research stories, stories and, yes, that, exactly. uh, that people connected to these people have told in books yeah. and all these kind of stuff. So it's not like they're just making it up. They're pulling out of the ass. They're doing things literally um, like they can't fucking make up 
conversations. Like towards the end yeah. of season five, there's a conversation between Charles and Diana. Nobody will ever know that conversation, but they're dramatizing it because yeah. based on the details of everything. And I think yeah. that's kind of where you get in to me. That's where I get invested because it gives you an idea to imagine the nuances of the scenario. Like we were just mm -hmm. talking about, like, Yes, Charles is seen as the villain, is seen as a villain, but we can understand his position as yeah. being the future king and the decisions that he made and just trying to go along with the family, unlike yeah. what we see right now, unlike his uncle and Harry right now. Mm -hmm. So remember Charles's uncle, the whole reason why his mama was the queen was because her uncle, well, his great uncle, her uncle advocated a throne for um Ms. a divorced Simpson, american yeah. a divorced american and so he gave up his throne to his brother and then his brother thinking that you know not really ready for it thinking he was despair he was exactly mm -hmm. how henry was and then his daughters he doesn't have any sons so his daughter gets the crown and so this is how he became in this situation and so he doesn't have the fight of his uncle um his great uncle he doesn't have the heart of um harry so he He's more of, and he they express this. He's more of, you know, kind of in his younger years. I'm just following the rules like the rest of y'all. Period. Yeah, exactly. So I say, you know, it it for me, I I understand the scenario. I understand his position, but then I also understand Diana. She was like, I didn't ask to be in this shit. Yeah. I. You know, I'm somebody who come from a, a kind of a high class family. The Spencers was, you know, they had, you know, they were blue blood people. Um, they weren't rugs, but they were no come from a noble line. Yeah. And so I come from this family. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what this was going to be. And I come and I, that one of my favorite episodes, and I don't know if it's season four or I think it's season four, is when she comes and passes that little hunting trip with flying colors yeah. when she does, she does she was all like, the games with them and everything yeah, yeah. Her, unlike you know she just one of those girls she says i was trained to be this like i know yeah. how to be this and so and i'm down to earth where i can come and do this and and that and they did it in juxtaposition to Margaret Thatcher coming, doing it and not fitting in to what they got going on. Exactly. But Diana comes and does it and, and kills it. So her being this young 19 year old shy girl, beautiful. I'm just coming into something, trying to be who I am, trying to be loved and literally falling in love with this prince. And this is not what it's cracked up to be. And, and you it's the, uh, this is the point you're making, but to get there, it's like, it's the exact same thing with Megan and Harry because Megan is pulled from Megan wasn't even raised to be royalty. Like she has no clue what's going to happen. No, she's thrown in. She's begging them to accept her, begging them to love her while they won't. The public sure as fuck did just like Diana. And yes. if the crown had any common sense, they would have seen what the people were embracing and supported it. But Unfortunately, with Diana, they weren't strong enough to do it then, and we see the repercussions of that, and they're still not strong enough to stand up for Meghan and embrace, like, a new commonwealth, as they call it. It's like, mm -hmm. they're weak. They're weak, weak, weak. But to, if, I'm, if I'm to be honest, 
this is supposed to be an exclusive club. And when we stop making it exclusive, it loses its power. And um, so, and that's what they're scared of. Uh, that's what they're sure. scared of because yeah. it has always been on the rocks. Elizabeth is the one who solidified it. <laughs> yeah. How long she had been, it was on the rocks. And so, um, you know, with Megan, I feel like I love that Harry has the gall like um, Prince. What was his name? Edward, right? Edward, yeah. Like Prince Andrew to say, you know, fuck this shit. But yeah. the difference is he's not in line. Well, he yeah, is, but that's true. Yeah. He's not the he's not the one. He's not necessarily giving it all up in the yeah, same way that exactly. Edward was. Yeah, right. Giving something up, but saying, yeah, for you sure. know, I'm not about to deal with this bullshit with y'all. I'm going to love my wife. And I don't understand why they didn't understand that this was going to happen because Prince Harry had a a picture. One, if you when they if you go back to videos of his room, he had a picture of Holly Berry on his wall. <laughs> so him liking biracial Holly Berry-esque girls, that was his tea. Yeah. <laughs> We should have seen it coming. We should have seen it coming. <laughs> Y'all should have known when he met this one, this early, a biracial, almost white lady. He knew that this was going to be the one. <laughs> this is going to be the one. I don't know why y'all was. Oh, and then not only her looks, but she was also perfect as well for the role. She was already having her coins, an actress yeah. and a philanthropist. She was, mm -hmm. all, Megan was already doing her thing. And so they should have known, like in the Diana situation, this is the one you don't want to play with. Mm -hmm. She has the gift of gab. She has the look. Baby, she was eating their motherfucking ass up. She was yeah. eating them up. We talked about it last episode. <laughs> yeah. Because y'all forcing me to wear these neutrals, it's going to make me look sickening. Yeah. Wear you out. And so you should have known that the backlash was going to be very, very similar with the Diana situation. And yeah. so they didn't because it doesn't matter. We're trying to protect what we got going on. And this is our ways, our ways to protect it. When it came to Margaret, when it came to any Diana, this us control of the media is our way. We know to protect what we got going on. Yeah. And so and I think that's, what's funny to me too, about the backlash to bring it current I think that's what's interesting about the backlash against Harry and Meghan, people who are saying, you know, even fucking Judge Judy this week. Someone asked her opinion on it, which like, who cares what Judge Judy? Anyway, somebody, and she was like, I think it's so disrespectful. They're biting the hand that feeds them. Like, it's just so horrible for them to be turning against this institution and turning against their family. But that's what they've been doing for years. They've been throwing other members of the family to the sharks, AKA the press for years as a way to stay relevant, to stay in power, to keep money, to stay positive in people's minds. And now that they've kicked Harry out, left him with nothing. All he's doing is the tricks he's been taught his whole life. And now y'all are mad that he's using it against you. Yeah. He's using the media, using his platform, using the scandal into, Oh, I'm giving up this coin, but I'm about, about to make me some more. Mm -hmm. but it's going to be based on reality. It's going to be yeah. based on the fact that y'all motherfuckers was racist to my fucking wife and y'all not about to do my wife like I did my mom. And at yeah. the end of the day, regardless of what you, if anybody agrees with what he's do, what he did, that is the reality. For we sure. know that Diana was murdered by the, not murdered, murdered to yeah. me, but yeah. because y'all indirectly by y'all following her and chasing her and wearing her out, Mm -hmm. And then she dies. 
We know that's the facts of the situation. Y'all yeah. literally got in the book, he talks about them literally having pictures of her dead in the car. Like mm -hmm. even after the crash, I couldn't stop. Y'all yeah. took y'all butt to the to the wreck and took pictures of her slumped in the car. Yeah. No heart, just heartless. Mm -hmm. And so when he sees it happening to his own wife, you expect him to say, sure, let's do what we've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, mm -hmm. that is not going to happen. And so I'm glad that he had the gall to say, fuck y'all, fuck this. I'll just move over here to America <laughs> and so make it work. You, what do you think happens next with not necessarily Harry and Meghan, because I think they're going to be fine, but what do you think happens next with the Royals? Do you think their time is up? Do you think they're going to... I, I don't personally know how they could come back from this and, like, rebrand. Um, but what, are you someone who thinks that we shouldn't have them? Like, what are what are your final, like, thoughts on them? Well, honey... I'm, As a whole. I'm an anti-white supremacy and <laughs> and uh, the, the throne of England is the seat of white supremacy. The throne of Europe. The OG is evil. The, is the OG evil. So I'm always <laughs> in favor of dismantling that shit. That would be yeah. dope for me as a black American person in knowing my history. Mm -hmm. That's just the yeah. facts of the situation. Literally in my own blood, when I look at my DNA, I come from two plantations in Mississippi and my DNA mm -hmm. says Great fucking Britain. It should not say Great Britain. Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 15%, 20% of my of my body DNA is from Great Britain. Mm -hmm. And so I I'm gonna always be for dismantling that shit. Now, yeah. do I think it's gonna be dismantled in my lifetime? Definitely not. But I think that this was, I think eventually it is not going to be um viable for the public um in Britain. Maybe because it's such a, it's a part of their narrative. It's a yeah. like if you've have you ever been to London? No, I've never been. It, baby, she's everywhere. Right? I she's mean, the Queen is like everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Like it's so it weird. It's so ingrained in their culture. The street names, the the murals, the the Queen is everywhere, man. Yeah. The royals are everywhere, and so for me. I just can't see them giving that up because it's just a part of the narrative. It's like yeah. asking us, this is not the same, but it's like asking us to give up the American flag and yeah. change it to something totally different. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. It, that's been such a part of who we are, those colors and that, that, that it, it's never gonna, it's never gonna Especially, go like anywhere. you said, likely not in our lifetime when she just died and there was still such a huge outpouring of, grief and support for her even yes. like you know, even people know people like in the modern era we can recognize them as colonizers and monsters but there yes. is still this like billions of people that were sad that she was gone yeah so yeah uh, they definitely. got a chokehold it made me feel watching the show made me feel more empathy for her this is a feminist story this is a woman who is upholding the church of England. This is a woman that is upholding the Church of England, that is upholding yeah. the monarch. This is a woman. This is a person who idealistically was not supposed to be in this position. 
They would have wanted it to be a man. They would have yeah. wanted to be the uncle. They would have wanted it to be a boy mm-hmm. if she if if her father had a son. But for whatever reason, however the cards got dealt, it was her. And she held on to it for the longest reigning one. Mm-hmm. And so there is a feminist fuck you in there. I don't want to... Sure. There yeah. is something that is a... um that had to shift culturally about leadership and how they thought about leadership in that area of the world and how it was, um, how they affected. There is a feminine way that she had to move in pushing the culture forward in England. Her not learning things because you're just going to be the queen. You're not going to be anything else. And her wanting to learn more things and her engaging with these men and putting these men on their knees because there was some political games that she played elizabeth played that said oh you want to play games with me and make me seem like i'm not relevant let me show you how relevant i am remember when that dude when she was kind of disattached from the community and she had to um sneak and have that meeting with that press dude yeah and that she was like, okay, I see what you're saying. And you know, well, whatever, those kind of situations. Parliament, Winston Churchill, how she had to let him know, like, dude, I am the queen. Yeah. <laughs> and y'all old dudes is old dudes. And she had to reprimand him and make him feel like shit. And he coming back apologizing with his head down. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. situations that these are, this is a feminist story. Yes. Does it have this negative? Yeah. This is a feminist story of, white feminism that's upholding patriarchy at the same time moving womanhood forward that is yeah. classic white feminism mm-hmm. oh, but yeah. i i can appreciate that story and still see the positive and the negative of what elizabeth did yeah and so i think it's hard show, for me to not look at that i think the show does a really good job in like we said filling those gaps and really showing that victims is way too strong of a word uh they are not victims but Mm -hmm. the royal family is a bit of like a an animal in its own cage that it created do you know what i mean a gilded cage yes like they're stuck in this thing and it's like all these years of pillaging raping like ruining communities ruining blood like ruining the world and then you're here on a pedestal can't do shit you want to do it's like was it worth it was Was it it worth it all right, Diamond, it has been so fun getting to catch up and to talk about the crown and our our, our love and hate for the royals and some fashion <laughs> moments. And right. of course the trinket, like like I said, that was I thought I was ready, but I got absolutely blown away. <laughs> like the trinket was everything this week. Sick me. <laughs> I it's been it's it was great. I do want to quickly say before we uh say goodbye this month, um, we I wanted to give a in this very UK European centric episode, um, I wanted to give a little shout out to Vivian Westwood, who, you know, a very mm-hmm. iconic fashion designer um, from British fashion and culture, um, just died last month. Um, so I just wanted to quickly say a couple things about her before we go. Um, you know, as we talked a little bit earlier about like queerness and fashion and culture and latching onto these stories that aren't necessarily queer, but those universal themes of feeling left out and feeling like you're bringing something new to the table. Um, And Vivian Westwood was such a good example of that in fashion. Um, She was this rebel, this pioneer who, she was just so pioneering in her silhouettes and the way she looked at fabrics and manipulated them. And she understood British classism so well and was able to take 
such big political and social movements and really put them into her work in a way that people could digest and understand and felt accessible, but also she was actively changing the world. You know, we talk so much about this episode about the queen and how ever present she is in England um, on their money, on all the buildings, on everything. And Vivian Westwood was all about like standing up to that power, standing up to that man. And she, <laughs> she would take pictures of the queen and put them on her like punk t-shirts and like ride all over it and would just desecrate those images of the queen in, in her own country. Um, and, and when she, you know, even aside from all that, she was actually awarded a dameship by the queen in 92. So she was knighted for her like contributions to society. Um, and as she went to Buckingham Palace to a, to be knighted, she wore no panties and mm. it has on one of her dresses and lifts the dress up and you just see like full bush. And ah, like, come on. Yeah. Just like, just iconic stuff like that. Um, you know, she started her career in the like early seventies running basically like a sex shop and made like fetish and kinkware and sold it to the prostitutes of London, which is so cool. Um, yeah. And to have worked her way up to be essentially like an architect of modern British fashion. Like she is so, she is truly a thread that runs very deeply in all of British fashion and also like global fashion. Um, so yeah, like we will miss her. We'll miss her work as, as an activist. Um, she worked a lot on climate change. She even, one of her shows in 2015 centered around, uh, it was called Unisex and it really centered around androgyny and gender neutral clothing. And um, she was one of the first people to bring those ideas to the mainstream in that space, in like a high fashion space. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be a different world without her. Um, and yeah, I just was gonna see if you had any like Westwood moments or memories that really stuck out to you. Like for me, one of the big ones, she worked with Naomi Campbell a lot. She was yes. really there for like the r rise of the supermodels. Um, and there was a show, I wanna say it was fall, winter of 94. Um, of Paris Fashion Week and Naomi Campbell is wearing this like extremely huge like uh, coat with these like ruffles on it and this cute little tartan skirt and nine inch platform heels mm -hmm. and just keeps falling on the runway and it's like even though she's falling it's still like one of the best moments ever she looks gorgeous the clothes look gorgeous um there's a there's a runway show where Kate Moss, like speaking about the whole Queen Victoria, like white face, um, she came out in this like Queen Victoria slash like Marie Antoinette, like mix up vibe, um, completely topless on the runway, eating ice cream, like just loved it. And then even like, even as modern as like the 2008, uh, I think it was 2008, um, in the Sex and the City movie, uh, Carrie Bradshaw wears a Vivian Westwood gown to marry big. So yeah, those are some of my favorite Westwood moments. Oh, and then she's referenced on like Drag Race literally every week. Every, All the every time, yeah. There's a little twink that's like, it's giving Westwood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that those are some of my favorites. What about yours? My favorite is this one. So this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is Naomi Campbell in this kind of flannel. It's giving flannel and African auntie, but just elevated <laughs> to a whole other sickening ass high fashion level so she got a headdress she got the corset on it's this big flowy um midi it's almost like midi length it kind of looks midi length with the mm -hmm. way she's working it it's just a dope it's not burberry plaid but it's it's similar yeah. to that it's flannel 
And I love, 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 love. That's my favorite, my favorite look of hers. Yeah. But what I love about Vivian Westwood and what what how it shows up in my own personal style mm-hmm. is I am a bitch who will mix two prints, like two, three prints, like yeah. it's like you know, it's just what it is. I love print matching. I, I'm a person who and do it well, always. Thank you. And so <laughs> I'm that person who likes the um the idea of you know, double, triple prints in one outfit and watching and the color schemes and print matching in um, in Vivian's work has always been an inspiration to me. She is somebody yeah. who has let me know that I can still have a feminine silhouette with any type of print and mix them together and make it sickening. And yeah. she is that girl when it comes to that. So all her work has always been, to me, super feminine. Yes, you'll, you'll get this punk vibe, but you'll also see those classic things. Like she love a damn corset. Um, oh, those classic that. things that classic feminine silhouettes, but you know, exaggerated and mixed with those prints. That is my favorite part of Vivian Westwood. My well, I think not only from a style standpoint is that wonderful and alluring, and we love that, but it's also she what she did so well with those classic silhouettes and those classic like high-end fabrics is she was doing basically because of what we know of her as like a punk and as an activist, she was essentially doing like a parody of the upper class with her. Yes. Cause these were and the shapes and that, and it like Scottish prints. Yes. And to be able to give that commentary and push back on the powers that be while still slaying, um, that's chasing threads. I mean, that's what we love. That's what we're into about fashion and culture. So yeah, that's chasing the threads. She did it all. We'll miss her. Um, yeah, I just wanted to shout her out on our British episode. Yeah. Thank you, Vivian Westwood, for your contributions to the fashion world. You have inspired us all. And yes, we definitely will miss you. All right. So if you like fashion and you want to see any of the looks that we discuss on this show, follow us on Instagram, Chasing Threads Pod. We hope that you lend us an ear next time. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.